A Bicycle Built for Two. Recently, my husband and I arranged a little time for a vacation before we rushed headlong into this new year. It was a wonderful respite, but as God always does, he used it as an opportunity for teaching as well. You see, we decided to take a, a ride together on a two-person bicycle. We thought what fun this would be riding along a new area of the beachfront. What I didn't realize, of course, but would make perfect sense since this bicycle allowed only one person complete control over the steering. Only one person could navigate and direct us along the path. As I swung the steering wheel uselessly about throughout our journey, I was frightened at leaving the complete controls to someone else, even if that someone was a person I trusted and knew would always think of my safety. So why then did I squeak when we got too close to the edge of the sidewalk or the nearby hedges or the cement barriers? Why did I twist my leg out of the way and grab the wheel to spin it away when I was in fact unable to do anything to steer the craft? After my husband had heard my protestations enough, he offered to let me drive. But I demurred, realizing I couldn't do a better job. Then, so I said, please keep driving, and otherwise I think I'd get her, us into a wreck. Well, you may be wondering what I learned from this experience, but the comparison to my journey with Christ struck me forcefully, even though we were pedaling furiously to gain a hill or slowed for a decline. Do you see where I'm going with this? When I made my decision to follow Jesus, I said to him, I surrender my life to you. Guide me, lead me. I want to follow you. Sound familiar? Perhaps you said words similar to mine, and if so, then our journey with Christ would begin from that moment, and in our hearts, we really intended Jesus to be our captain, our shepherd, our teacher, our master, just like the word says. In theory, that's the way we've intended to live our lives. But in reality, well, that can be a different matter. Which brings me back to my bicycle journey. You see, I at first thought it was acceptable to have my husband John guide our craft. I didn't mind him being in charge. <laughs> Whereas I wasn't keen that the steering wheel would never respond to my twisting and turning. I was glad to let his feet do most of the pedaling and I could give half-hearted effort to its propulsion. This all changed, however, when I saw us get too close to the edge and thought I'd drop off or when the branches almost scraped my arms or when it looked like our, my side of the vehicle was gonna dip into a, a ravine and knock me out. <laughs> Then I didn't like him in charge, and when I squeaked my complaint, he calmly reassured me that he saw the danger, knew what he was doing, and was working to keep me safe. Still, I doubted. Could he really appreciate how close I was to harm? I must admit I was relieved when we returned the bicycle and I could once again navigate my own course. Yet this independence of mine isn't always a good thing. This notion that I know best hasn't always resulted in a happy outcome. 
And I realize once again how often I resist God and his wisdom. Perhaps that's why Jesus has shown us the similar situations in Scripture. Let's look at some of them and see how they can speak to our own independence, our own lack of trust in God's guidance and protection, and how to change that. Mark writes that Jesus was teaching by the lakeshore, and because of the size of the crowds, Jesus climbed into a boat to continue with his parables. He then explained about the farmer scattering his seed, a person lighting a lamp, the flourishing of the mustard seed, and as he did so, he explained, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given, and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. It was an instruction he often gave when teaching. Well, as the evening drew near and people began wending their way homeward, Jesus suggested to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He knew he had a meeting with the demon-possessed garrison, but there was even more his disciples were to learn from him. Even though he always provided a fuller explanation of the parables to his disciples, Jesus wanted to show them how completely they could trust him. And so he fell asleep in the boat. Was that because he trusted these seasoned fishermen to guide their craft? Of course not. He wanted them to understand that they needed to let him be in charge of every journey. Did they understand that? Not yet. They shouted at him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? That's kind of like what I was saying to John as he steered the bicycle. Don't you notice I'm in danger? And I've said this to Jesus on many occasions as well. Jesus, don't you see what's going on in my life right now? It's not comfortable or safe. I'm in trouble. Don't you care what's happening to me? I know he's with me, but it appears at times he isn't concerned at the storms I'm experiencing. Then when I finally watch and listen, I see him calmly addressing the storm within and without, and it ceases. And if I'm listening, I hear him ask, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And what about Jesus being our shepherd? Oh, we love the idea when it relates to him being our provider, as in, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We're contented when he leads us to green pastures and pleasant waters, but are we as happy when he guides us along right paths to bring honor to his name, or walks us into dark valleys, or have his rod and staff protect and comfort, as it says in Psalms 23? If you are aware of what it means to actually guide sheep, you'll know the difficulty that this brings and the stubbornness sheep exhibit. They don't always listen to their shepherd, even if they know his voice. Too many times I've seen one sheep dash across the road and found an entire flock darting after the lead sheep, completely oblivious to the danger they're heading into. And they don't seem to listen to the shepherd's voice, no matter how loudly he calls or how insistent he is. I'm like that too sometimes. Jesus wants to lead me into paths of righteousness for his namesake's sake, and I want to choose the easy path, the way of least resistance. 
and should he lead me into a dark and scary valley, I balk, even though as with the disciples in their storm, he is with me. And his rod and staff? Sometimes the prodding doesn't feel nice. The rod is a short, heavy, club-like device, whereas the staff is longer and thinner, stick nonetheless with a hook or crook at the end of it. In biblical times, a shepherd carried a rod to fight off wild animals, direct the sheep, especially if they were resistant, and to count or prod them as they entered the sheepfold. The rod was a necessary tool both for protection and direction as sheep tend to wander aimlessly, seeking to satisfy their own needs or curiosity. <laughs> Sounds like us. Often unaware of potential danger. The staff helps the shepherd keep the sheep safe. It's a tool to both exert authority as well as gently tug them back into line with the rest of the flock or keep them away from dangerous terrain or vegetation. Does the sheep like it when the shepherd uses his rod or staff? No more than a dog likes it when his owner tugs on the leash. For the sheep's independent and curious nature often causes them to drift away from the safe pastures and pleasant waters, as we sometimes do. Yet despite this, Jesus has compassion on us, as he says in Mark 6.34, and teaches us many things. Perhaps we've even said to him as one of the teachers of religious law did, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Did Jesus doubt this man's sincerity? <laughs> Not at all. But he cautioned him with the reality of what it means to follow him. Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. If you're looking for a life of ease and comfort, you won't find it with me, Jesus seems to be saying. And when one of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father, Jesus knew he meant, let me take care of the family business first, and then I'll get around to following you when I'm free of other responsibilities. But Jesus isn't interested in, I'll serve you later. He's interested in us saying and responding to his command, follow me now. And so if we call Jesus teacher, are we showing up for class? Because as a student ourselves, at one point, we know how important it is to attend school and be present in the classroom, listening to our teacher, taking notes when necessary, completing our homework as required. If we don't, we know the consequences. We won't have learned anything, and when tests are given, we won't pass them. This is similar to life, isn't it? If we're not listening to Jesus, if we're not paying attention to his lessons, when the tests of life are given, we won't have the Spirit's wisdom to pass them. Yet we're all keenly aware that at different states of our lives, we react differently to our teachers. My daughter, Sarah, teaches preschoolers and loves their excited exuberance and trusting little faces. Our friend, Frank, teaches first grades and is equally enthralled with watching his students grasp phonics and simple math. Our friend Annalisa teaches eighth graders and is challenged by their growing independence. Gone is the wide-eyed enthusiasm of youngsters replaced by the increasing skepticism and cynicism of teenagers. 
I teach university students and although some are eager to learn, others exhibit an indifference or even contest the information I provide. Have we ever been like that with our teacher, Jesus? Maybe initially when everything was bright and new, we soaked up his instruction, but later as the years passed, we began to dispute what we heard or read and questioned what he was telling us to do. Perhaps knowing us as he does, this is why Jesus said students are not greater than their teacher, but the teacher, but the student, sorry, who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Even more so, that may be one of the reasons Jesus drew a little child to him and said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Our adult stubbornness and willfulness can definitely get in the way of being humble and teachable as I for one am aware. And so we draw to a close of this week's devotional a lesson that all came as a result of a bicycle built for two. This little excursion taught me about trust and reliance on my driver, Jesus. He showed me how much I want to take the wheel and steer my own life. And he coached me to pray, Father, forgive me when I don't let you ride with me and try to steer myself. Father, forgive me when I let you ride with me, but I take the wheel and force us into a hedge. Father, forgive me when I let you drive, but complain about your driving, fear for my safety and comfort and vainly attempt to steer us clear of what I perceive as danger, but you arrange as an opportunity. Help me to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.